0: Digital Drift episode 59 recorded Wednesday the 8th of April 2015, Furious 7. The most important
1: thing in life will always be the people right here, right now. That's what's real. Hello? Dominic
2: Tourette,
3: you don't know me. You're about to.
2: did this? Remember Owen Shaw? This is his big bad brother. He's a special forces assassin. They created a monster.
1: Shaw lives in a world that doesn't play by your rules. And like it or not, you and your friends are a part of it now. I don't have friends. I got family. This time it ain't just about being fast. Somebody just walk me through what we're supposed to be doing.
4: Yo, Roman, you need some fresh air?
1: <laughs> Justin,
4: you didn't think it could get any better, huh? So
2: what's the plan, Don? One last nice ride.
0: We're back to close this series out for the time being. Joining me again is my co-host, Sharon. Hello. And from Game Burst, Mr. Neil Taylor. Hello. Sharon and I entered into this series with low expectations. It took until six for us to really engage, and now in the aftermath of seven, I find myself an absolute emotional wreck. Part of this is because of the metatextual process of the group we see on screen bonding with one another and the crew off-screen. They went from being strangers who parted ways to reuniting older and wiser and eventually finding their path together. A key part of this finding has involved members passing away within the fiction, and for the first time we have been confronted with how the family responds to one of their number departing in real life. It is certainly not uncommon for actors to die during filming, most famously of course in recent times has been Heath Ledger who left an immortal performance as the Joker behind for us to puzzle over. But this was after photography wrapped. His actual final film, The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, as with Brandon Lee with The Crow, left the production with a difficult situation in how to complete the film, both emotionally and logistically. Ditto Oliver Reed and John Candy with Gladiator and Wagons East and Canadian Bacon. Bella Lugosi died during filming of the most... One of the most celebrated, terrible films ever made, Edward's Plan 9 from Outer Space. River Phoenix's death ended production on Dark Blood, the film he was working on at the time. Philip Seymour Hoffman died while filming Mocking Jay. But none of these compare in terms of what the actor and the man now gone meant to their on-screen colleagues of so many years and movies. And after such a long journey together... For that, you have to look to television and the likes of John Spencer, who died of a heart attack during filming of the sixth season of The West Wing. His character, Leo McGarry, was as loved by the fictional people around him as Spencer was with the cast and crew in real life. The narrative of the film in Furious 7 was adjusted carefully with sensitivity, time, time and consideration in order to incorporate an end for the character that would aid in the respectful goodbyes for Walker's family, his friends and colleagues, and the legions of fast fans. The result was one of the most powerful and bittersweet experiences in cinema, and is attached to a pretty awesome, dramatic, and fun action heist movie, once again focusing on the core themes of vulnerability, determination, protection, and family connection. I was referred to an article which compared these films favorably with Bay's Transformers series, making the point that Fast and Furious is big, dumb fun, and Transformers is actually just big, dumb, and dark. I think the term dumb is being misused here. The Fast and the Furious movies are simple... That doesn't mean stupid. They are tremendous fun and are prone to self-parody, reveling in their own overblown style. But ultimately, from five onwards, when they hit the mark of true quality and remain there, they become straightforward heist films with small-scale, personal stakes rather than world-threatening terror metaphors. Though Six dabbles with the idea that should they fail, it might lead to dire things, that's not why they're doing the London job. It's for Letty. Formite Chris also compared these films, though he has not seen them, with Saints Row, in terms of the video game equivalent, relative to the Bayformer's Call of Duty. I sincerely doubt, having only played a bit of it, that Saints Row could make me feel this. Saints Row is Crank, starring Jason Statham. In fact, after racking my brains and dismissing the Resident Evil series, which bears similarities in terms of building a vast continuity over many years without a plan from the outset and featuring a revolving cast of colourful recurring characters, again I'm not finding the emotion or substance at its core. The closest we have in gaming terms without entering into deep philosophical Mass Effect territory is the Uncharted series. That is if it lasts long enough without rebooting to feature up to 8 or 9 core characters. Ultimately, in Fast and Furious, they started with family. That family fluctuated, diminished by deaths and increased by growing inclusivity, friendships, marriage and parenthood. This goes back to Star Trek, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. It, like them, presents us with a group that stay together and a group that we want to be a part of. A group in this case, which stays together for one of what can only be two reasons, fear or loyalty. And as Megan Ramsey notes, we see no fear among them. We watch now, time after time, because we want that group to flourish. But here we saw something so strange to us. On the one hand, we were each to a man sharply aware of the cold hand of death and its real-life effect of plucking a man from his family and friends and from our screens. And on the other, we were presented with a fairytale vision of an amazingly happy and blessed life free of danger and the call to action, the kind of happy rest a hero rarely gets granted. The bitter has rarely been so potently matched in intensity by the sweet. The final shot of the parting of ways, appropriately automobile bound, is a kind of goodbye few get without meaning a hell of a lot to many people. It is instilled in a certain portion of the audience, the kind of grief we would usually reserve for a friend. We couldn't possibly expect to know Paul Walker through his performances and public appearances, but we can judge by those who grieved openly and the legacy of charitable action he leaves behind that he was a man to be admired, respected and sorely missed. And If you judge this film as nothing more than an overly elaborate and action-packed eulogy, it is at least delivered with the kind of love that pretty much all of us would be proud to have signify our passing.
5: the exact opposite of Mm Bayformers they are you're right they they are simple but they're not dumb and they earn that over the topness by giving you characters and Mm. people you care about you know you see these characters on screen and you want to be friends with them you want to know them because they're they're the kind of people you always hope your friends are
0: Mm. the kind of people who who, uh, won't ever give up on you yeah yeah
5: and so few of us can have friends like that,
0: yeah
3: I was thinking about what you said about um the straightforwardness and the the simplicity of the story and the narrative, but that doesn't it it is a little bit frustrating when people interpret that to mean that there's nothing else there, just because there is a simple story um you know is it any more uninteresting? Than, say, for example, a muscle-bound Greek hero wrestling a lion to its death. Or um, uh, the comedy of a Shakespearean actor who happens to be wearing a donkey's head for a sizable portion of the play. You know, that there are simplistic elements to a lot of some of the most respected theatre and entertainment. Mm. And that doesn't make it any less worthy of our time. It's the emotions that are evoked and the, uh, the responses of the audience, I think, that is the, the telling part of it. And yes, the argument could be made that Transformers and its ilk have the financial response in that, that you know they're bringing down the dollars. But if you look at what characterizes the two films or the, t- the two franchises, certainly for me... I would say even if they were of a match in terms of their actual production quality and uh, the the level of critical worthiness that people decide to attribute to them, one of them is about uh, – The importance of family and loyalty and caring about each other and helping each other out of tight spots and what you take with you through life when you interact with other people and the fact that all the money in the world or at least 11 million dollars of it um, if that's your slice isn't enough to replace the home and the the love and the connections that you've accumulated along the way and the other one is about nasty vicious racist little jokes and sly (laughs) winkery about parents catching you jacking off
0: okay well uh, to to put it in simpler terms because simplicity is actually something to be aspired to um some dudes might have the coin but they'll never Never have have the the quad
6: yeah (laughs) means
0: love respect community and The Dollars too the whole package, the quan. it's a great word. That's Cooper Gooding Jr. and Jerry Maguire, one of my favourite films of all time. And he may as well have been talking about this. Oi, I mean, where do we... I mean, th- this th- is hard. Where do we go on? Because we, like...
5: This, this I... I said, so you know, we're lucky enough if you have friends that are, I don't want to say like them, but you know what I mean? They give you that sense of security, that they're th- th- by you through thick and thin. I was lucky enough to go see this film mm. with three of those friends that I have in my life, that I have had since I was six, probably. That's my old housemate, John, and my two, two of my best friends, Rich and Wade. And it was an interesting experience because we've also grown up with these films. We love these films, we've loved them from the start. And going, to, so it was it's kind of fitting that I went to see this film with them and had that experience with them. And you know, I will tell you this: it was. I went to my local cinema to see this. Uh, you know, I live in a. I'm not going to say a rough town because it's not, but it has a bit of a reputation. And I'll tell you what: I, if you looked around that cinema at the end of that film, there was a lot of tears and not a lot of people caring because they. It was an emotional journey. The film did something fantastic in making you forget for the majority of the film till the beach. And I felt those tears the minute we went to that beach scene, and especially when Tez just tells Roman to shut it. and you, Then it comes sort of comes back to you. And it just leads into, I would say it leads into one of the most beautiful tributes I've seen ever done. For anything for an actor that's passed, it was it was respectful and joyful at the same time as well as being slightly sombre, but not in a in a sad way, but more in a celebration of of, the, of Paul Walker's life, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm.
0: I had people, uh, you know, asking. Well, my I, my response after I came back was simply just saw Furious Seven, dot dot dot. I hurt. That's all I could say. Um, and people were saying, "Is that good? Is that bad? You know, should we see this film?" And my eventual response was, "Look, you don't need me to tell you whether to see this film or not. Either you are already there and you booked your ticket, or you probably don't need to see it." <laughs> this has had an, an incredible opening. And uh, ultimately, I, I suppose people will probably go along in a kind of, ah, oh, I wonder if it's any, like, uh, people might sort of go along out of curiosity afterwards, but everyone who, like, was really, you know, everyone who really cared has already arranged to see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, it's great. It's, it's broken all kinds of records, um, and it will continue to do extremely well. And it's the kind of movie that really deserves to do extremely well. I think I sent you a tweet where I just uh, I said I'd seen it and I think it uh, just put me in a funk. Yeah, you were bummed out, and understandably uh, so. I was, I'm still in it. Yeah, it, it was kind of strange because the first thing I did when
5: I got home was I, I, I went upstairs and I hugged Shona and I hugged my little boy. And um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I love the film i really really enjoyed it had a lot of fun but that ending man it just and when i say the funk i don't mean it in a bad way but it just sort of just hit you and just reminded you that that life can be really fragile sometimes and um you should always appreciate what you've got because it can um it can so easily be taken away from you
0: Oh, show and
1: take
3: it. I don't think I really have anything else to say on that.
1: Oh,
5: God. Okay. Uh, Focus.
3: We may need a minute.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I apologise. It's slightly being new dad syndrome. Of course, of course. And, um, you know, uh, anybody who's a parent will probably appreciate the fact that there's some kids now that have lost their dad. You know, and I think seeing that tribute at the end of the film, I like anyone I said, who's a
0: child will also appreciate that. whether anyone who's been a child or has had a parent, anyone a parental who's, figure,
5: yeah, I would say. <laughs> going <into> so <some, laughs> sorry about this, but going deep, you know, I I lost my dad, and you know, sort of dredged up, not bad memories of that, but remind me of that, and just seeing that tribute was. <sighs> Again, <laughs> joyful. It was a good thing, and I'm, i you know, how easily it could have been to screw something like that up.
0: Yeah.
5: yeah. So to see something like that done really well, with,
0: uh, with the respect that it deserves, was was really nice. They were very smart about that. When uh, when the accident happened, they they called a halt to the film and, and put it on hiatus and, and said, right, we need time. To do this, we aren't going to make good decisions right now. We're we're too emotionally overwrought. We need time to to think about this, to rework it, and to make it coherent. And uh, what they had to do in terms of basically using what archival footage they had to complete Paul's scenes uh, with his uh, his two brothers, Cody and what's this one called? Caleb. Um, Caleb. Yeah, of course. Uh, and they actually brought in what a digital master craftsman to. Um, uh, to, to basically get Paul's face in there and, and to give us um, Brian. And uh, it kind of felt like, you know how uh, Caesar is a collaborative effort and Gollum is a collaborative effort. At this stage, it was like Brian was a character that needed to be recreated with various people. And um, they all sort of pulled together to deliver us that. Um, partly as tribute, partly because the movie would have enormous gaps in it without that. And everyone would feel it. Um, and part of, part of the excellence of their job is that it's not glaringly obvious at any real point, apart from possibly the end where you know what they're doing, um, which bits might not actually have been pulled. There were just little shades here and they were like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I am really, really good at noticing effects. Mm. I'm, you know, it's 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 a gift. It's a curse at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Once you once yep, you learn that trait, that. you can never unlearn it. Yeah. But you know, I was I was noticing like little shots here and there. And I'm like, that could be like just a, a stunt double, the back of their head, but it just looks exactly like him. And then he's not doing that wobbly face thing. You know, when we were talking about Twilight Sharon, mm. when they put the weird child's face on a baby. There, there was none of that sense of, uh, you know, if you remember, like, you've everyone's seen Gladiator. The, the bits that they had to do with uh, Proximo just to get that final couple of shots in order. I mean, it's obvious because that was, two, you know, 1999 technology. But um, it, it's commendable that everyone pulled together in, in such a way that it's kind of seamless, and that you don't really think so much about the tech of it as you do the um what the soul you, you, of it. Yeah, the soul of it. You get you get little pickups of the uh the, the where they're heading with um with Brian's story, like straight from the beginning when he's in the um the the van taking the kid to school, um where they're gonna go with it. And I i I have no idea what they were gonna be doing with that um uh in, in the original draft before he was, he was gone, but, um, uh, it really is, unless they're directly referencing that, you just kind of like relish the fact that he's there and, you know, so enjoy watching his, his last big performance. And, um, I, you know, and more than that in everyone else coming together to celebrate the Brianness and, <laughs> and to stick him up there. Um, I'm just going over myself again here, but, uh, no, but yeah, there's just there's that. That's quite an the film.
3: important element of it, though, because you you said about it's very difficult to watch something where you know what the back is to the filming, yeah. um, and not be thinking about the you know the the meta elements of the narrative. And I think it did put me a little bit on edge because I was thinking. They're gonna run out of footage of him at any time and yeah. have to do something with the character to m- make it so that he doesn't have to interact with people again and it added an extra element of um of risk of of having the stakes there mm. and it it could have been played in a way that made that very cheap yeah. um and I think with a a less experienced with each other team
0: especially with the potentially would
3: have done yeah exactly suddenly comes
0: in it feels like this film might have been a little tighter i mean it's as it is it's a really great fast and furious film it's probably not as strong as six or five maybe um but uh, it's it's really excellent and you know commendable to james wan to come in yeah, you know, from horror, as we were doubting last time, they'd yeah. be able to pull it off, and you know, he did really well. I suspect um, that uh, Justin Lim would have done better, but we'll never know. I, I suppose if uh, you know if they've mooted that there'll be a, a double two-parter to finish the series off next, but frankly, they could stop right here, and that would be enough, and that would be fine.
5: It's a very nice. <laughs> Going back to it, it's a very nice beat to finish on as well. Yeah. You could almost say if the Terran said, "You know what? No," or if they changed the name of the series properly and it became something else, maybe that'd be fine. You know, let the fa- you know the
0: Fast and Furious stops there and something else begins. That's a fine again. point actually, because technically the Fast they have to have Sean come in as the Fast now.
5: Mm. So, one thing I just want to quickly mention: I actually thought the way that they did the nod to Tokyo Drift was very well done mm. because I thought it treated the film we treated that particular film with respect as in yeah. it's still here. It's still part of the franchise. We're not dragging it in or, or, or doing anything to minimise it or dismiss it. We're letting it be, <laughs> you know, when we all, all, the talk now is about shared universes. Yeah. That's what that film is. Now it is a side story in this universe yeah. and it's treated with the utmost respect. And it was, it was very nice to see. A, 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 oh, what's his name? Sure. Lu, uh, sure. Uh, Lucas, Buck. Lucas... Lucas Buck, Lucas, oh, no, no,
0: Lucas Black. Yeah.
5: And he, is it mirrors? he not aged that
0: much? <laughs> Sharon not said that he, he aged suddenly 10 years, but uh, it's not like he drank from the wrong grail. No, no. no. it's suddenly it's between not, the shots. It, it they, they did a pretty good job of matching that.
3: Yeah, it wasn't excruciatingly obvious, but I was very aware I was not looking at a high school kid. <laughs> but
0: yeah, he but, didn't really look like a high school kid in Tokyo Drift.
3: No, that's no, true. that's
5: true. <laughs> and it was actually nice to see the they use a little bit of Tokyo Drift and it cuts into some new footage. And I like the fact that you you don't even, they don't even show you the race. You don't need to see the race. And it's just about the conversation between, between the two characters. Let's face it. Don one.
3: Well, yes. (laughs) Yeah. I think it was obvious.
5: I think the line was it been sulking? I think the line Hans, uh, what was it? Hans said you were fast. He never told me you were that
0: fast. Nice. Yeah, of course. Um, sashi so we we we've uh, we've jumped ahead here uh, but uh, it was still it still stabbed at me to to see han there so that's three times we've now had to see him die um and that's not counting the repeat viewings of the same films uh but uh, then then bringing giselle in it's it's kind of like they uh, they they closed that particular side of it out and uh, and that's sort of han's story there um comes to a close and it's it's no longer um it's no longer just sort of left hanging in in this kind of like. Well, yeah. But I'm assuming Fast and Furious fans for years have been kind of you know when's Tokyo Drift going to happen? When's it going to happen? And it's it's now. So obviously we we didn't have the same journey in this. Well, did we we went way faster than you guys. It, it, I
5: suppose you could <laughs> say it, it, it sort of take it does take place between sort of six and seven. Yeah now well, you know, which uh, is what we suspected at the end of six really and they
0: dated the movies because uh, Letty's gravestone said 2009 and that was supposed to be like a couple of years after the fast and the, the original fast and the furious so that means that everyone in the fast and the furious was listening to like seven year old music <laughs> <laughs> I just can't get enough jar rule oh well, Yes, yes, you can. Actually, we can mention this uh, that we've gone back and, uh, and watched all of the uh, the films again. Uh, in the meantime, Neil, did you do again again the same?
5: Uh, no, no, no. I, okay. I have seen these films quite a lot of times. enough
0: to be able to to, to retain yeah. roughly a similar judgment. Uh, I've actually four's gone up in my estima- estimation. It's actually there's a tone in four which uh kind of gets matched in seven at times. Uh, especially to do with uh, Letty's trauma and, and, and this fu- slightly funereal sense about it. It's uh, Seven manages to not be as dour as uh, Four, but I, I kind of like Four more than I did before. I like Two more than I did before. I like One a bit less than I did before. Maybe just you made a really good argument for it. <laughs> well, I, I hate the fact that I made that argument, but because I do still enjoy that film. It's
5: just some of it. you've, It's that, you know, it's, it's seen the special effects, isn't it? Once you notice it, you can't unnotice it. Yeah.
0: Okay, so yeah, if we start at the beginning, we get uh, Deckard uh, Shaw, played by Jason Statham, another pretty bloody one dimensional villain for this series. I mean, but in relative terms, Owen was more compelling. He He was. A certain kind of smugness about him, which made you want to smack him more. I do admit though, it was a nice entrance. Oh yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, the, but chilling in a kind of well, hang on a second. Have you left anyone alive to take care of your brother? They left those uh, left those two nurses. Oh, the nurses are all right. Okay. Although
5: slightly worrying, he said, left my brother paralysed. That means Owen Shaw is
0: still alive. Yeah. I, I honestly expected that I'm I'm glad it didn't happen, but the like post credits, Owen Shaw wakes up. I'm going to break my brother out of maximum security jail in America well if you wouldn't slightly spoil it the
5: scary fact by the end of this film both Shaw brothers are, are still alive, still alive. Yeah.
0: they've uh, they've uh, wised up like Marvel uh, should as well in, in that don't kill your villains like you know stop them don't kill them you yes. know because if you kill them you've got to bring them back or create new ones Yes, and God knows Cole Hauser ain't coming back <laughs> in his jammies Oh, please, God, no. Uh, it was nice to go back to Race Wars, nice to see Hector again. But again, yes. this it was garish, it was childish, it was, uh, you know, they, they've grown up and beyond it now, uh, and uh, they seem to sort of stick out.
3: I think in the context, though, they used that to their advantage Absolutely, because the yeah. whole point that was, was that Letty was supposed to feel out of place and, um, you know, it was all supposed to make her feel... On edge, and her nerves were absolutely jangling. And I I think the fact that it it was a little bit distorted, even for us, the audience who really like this element of it, worked in their favor on that count.
0: I remember showing you saying that you know, you like the fact that Letty didn't immediately remember everything in six, and like oh it's all come back, and isn't that nice and convenient? But mm. but that this was going to be messy and take a long time. Absolutely. Were you disappointed that she remembers everything at the end, or did it feel Im- no
3: because it because it it was bought with um, it, with pain and difficulty ultimately it and. Was bought- yeah, it, it, I liked that they they had the scenes where she flashed back, and as things were coming back, it wasn't. Oh wow, I've I've suddenly regained this marvelous memory. Even the good times that came back to her knocked her for six. You could tell. Um, so I, I think it it sold it, and Michelle Rodriguez sold it uh, as being even as she was coming back to herself mm. that not being a trauma-free process
5: yeah i think that was an important part of that yes she does she does now have her memories back but yeah. it's earned it's not a, a magic wand or a, a simple oh yeah no it's earned and like she that it's earned through pain mm. a, and everything it, and it, it, it's especially the line that dom delivers when she says she remembers you know <laughs> that was that was a very important line that right. again me, me, earned, that, earned that situation. I
0: think this was uh, Michelle Rodriguez's uh, best performance of the series. This is probably also um, Jordana Brewster's uh, finest performance as well. She was wrestling with a hell of a lot. Mm. Um, I, I'd actually say that uh, both um, Diesel and Walker's finest performances were actually in six when yeah. they're both wrestling with uh, the idea of Letty still being alive. That There's a lot going on with both of them there. Um, But uh, it now feels like five, six and seven are a trilogy and one, two and three are also a trilogy. And and that four sort of sits in the middle as the time to mature. And it's a little too it's a violent swing, but um, it sort of evens itself out for the second trilogy, if you if you will. Four is the teenager. No, um, the teenager is is the first three. Uh, Four is hitting the point where you have to live on your own for a bit.
5: Yeah. When reality
0: sets in. Yeah yeah there is a sense of isolation about four where everyone's sort of living apart dom's on his own letty's on her own brian's on his own and um mia's on her own and yeah that 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 would be the time yeah that's possibly why i kind of like respect and like it a bit more now
3: yeah something about watching four this time that hadn't really clicked with me before um was the fact that as once everybody's split up and gone their separate ways um Because it's always irked me a little bit that Mia has a tendency not to have anything to do. Um, That the majority of the time, um, she she gets her moments, but the majority of the time she is at home minding the house and the baby. However, um, what struck me when we watched four this time was that um, she's kept that house going. When everybody else scattered, she has been its heart. She's the one who stayed. She's the one who kept the house. She's the one that everybody came back to gather around and although dom may be the force that that brings everybody back to that center she is the center she's the matriarch she's the mother she's the one that everybody um crowds around and she forms the basis of that house and i think between her and dom they actually two-hand it in terms of creating that family and um with regards to making a a larger universe out of this franchise, even watching two today and what's going on with uh, Fuentes, it's. It's almost not there, and a lot of it is obviously what I'm bringing to it, but she has her own story. Mm-hmm. You don't see much of it, but that whole thing about, you know, she's got a little bit too close to own. has she flipped, what's her position on the whole scenario, um, you know, the expression on her face when they actually take him at the end – I, if, if they decided to do a prequel based on her and how she got there and how she got into that situation and where she went next, I'd buy that. That would work fine for me. And if they decided to do films about um, you know, what was going on with Mia and the emotional wrestling that she was doing while her brother and her husband and all her friends are off doing goodness knows what – you know what i mean those mm. elena and her her how she lost her husband if that's what they decide to bring into the shared universe i would really look forward to that
0: mm. i mean they could fe- feasibly do flashbacks just by bringing all the characters in because if you think about it for eight if they're gonna go forwards they've lost han they've lost giselle they've lost brian they've lost me i mean technically they've they've not lost them but they're no longer part of the gang um that means they're gonna have to start bringing in, like, going to the corners, which means bringing in Elena and Fuentes and Suki from uh, Too Fast, Too Furious. So I mean, ultimately, if if you want to, if the, if their their route forwards is actually going to be to to keep that depth, but not just always focus on the the Brian and Dom relationship, which they now can't, um, then it does mean going into the uh, the their the backstories, and it does mean sort of going into their pasts. And, uh, and bringing that back. But what they're effectively doing is comic books. Mm. And, and, I mean, effectively, everyone's sort of going, oh, we want the shared universe. All Marvel are doing is putting on screen what they've been doing for decades anyway in comic books. It's, you know, this level of a sort of interpersonal interaction. This is what happens when you get writers writing year in, year out with this massive, rich world full of different characters and going, right, we're going to take this character in this direction now. And they sort of, they all all organize it together. And ultimately, um, with everyone chasing that now, all it really requires is a focus on rich characterization. Yeah. And, you know, you can just do some of that, amidst all the stunts and produce a great movie
5: this if the studio was brave enough or adventurous enough to try something uh, they could do lots of interesting little things like you said like you could have sort of the, the small intimate drama of how mia was getting on while the other films were happening how she was keeping that house going what she was doing what she was going through you could have a, a very nice little intimate drama where you could grow that character or yeah. Or you could go the exact opposite way and you could do some sort of uh, fast style over the top action film yeah.
0: with um, uh, hops. I think you'd have to sneak it in with all the fast stuff. Mm. You'd basically have to kind of like uh, go, come for the cars, stay for the emotions.
1: Yeah.
0: And, you know, people wouldn't directly be able to confront this, but they would, and they wouldn't exactly be able to put a finger on exactly why, but there will be reasons why people stay with this series. And it comes down to the details there.
5: I think, from my point of view, I think a lot of people stay with the series because they... uh, You can go anywhere and get silly over-the-top action, but I Mm. think people really like the characters.
0: And the sense of history and the sense of consequences. And it it feels like time is passing in one world here.
5: Yeah. Mm. You know, they've essentially done the Marvel sort of shared universe thing without actually trying to do the shared universe thing Yeah, because it's just, you know, just... They've, they've told films, they've allowed the characters to grow and breathe in certain respects. And they've they, you know, they gone to seven films. Mm. There's not, you know, transform. I would highly doubt, ta- well, maybe.
0: Oh, I was it'll, gonna say it'll, it'll go to seven. Yeah. Transformers will go to 20, 30 films. It's bigger than all of us. If you count reboots and things, Transformers will just go and go and go. But you see, that's the
5: one thing I never want to see associated with this franchise. Reboot. Yeah. Oof.
0: I mean, they, they could, but it feels like it's it's rooted in the actors as much Mm. as it is the characters yeah
5: i think that i think i think the next film is going if they do go to eight then at the minute there's no they say there's no movement on it but let's face it the opening weekend that that film had it's it's clearly going to have another one
0: and that's going to be the difficult one and they all seem to like doing it as well. It's something that I don't think they'll all be able to put down too easily.
3: I don't think you could recast this and keep the goodwill. You might be able to keep the interest, but I don't think you would keep that faith and that, um, that heart.
0: Wouldn't be as sustainable. You could no. do it if there was many, de- like a decade in between. If it was like, right, that's it, we're done, done.
3: But even then, I think they'd be more likely to look at right. The well, then let's do the next. Yeah, let's yeah. do the next generation. Hobbs' daughter, Jack,
0: daughter of, of, of Hobbes. Yeah. yeah. And of course, yeah, you know, it feels like the original version of this script might actually have had Letty um, ending up pregnant, uh, so to sort of usher in the new generation side of things. And uh, the the fact that they were married it was a wonderful surprise. Did not expect that. And that it felt like that was the original thrust of the movie um, mm-hmm. in, in the, in the, the first version. And so to, to have those two together was this incredible mix of the uh, complex of the, uh, the newer sort of the, uh, yeah, the circle of life, if you will. Mm. Yeah.
3: They did kind of flag it actually. When um, I think it's uh Tej says to Ramsey, they're not married or, or it might have been Roman. Um, but it just seemed like such a, a throwaway thing.
0: Mm.
3: Uh, it just popped into my head. That was an oddly specific thing to point
0: out. <laughs> I didn't pick up on that. But I, uh, I think it was always yeah. just uh, highlighting the fact that um, Dominic and uh, Letty have always had their relationship, which kind of defies convention.
3: Mm. It doesn't require formalization yeah. to be what it is.
0: They had an unusual uh, level of intimacy mm. like you know in the first one you weren't even entirely sure what their relationship was yeah um it, it really took until they're the the fast the fourth one for them to, for that to really be elaborated upon
3: mm. well her going with him is not always an automatic thing yeah um and i've noticed this about um a number of the the kind of couple setups throughout the franchise that um there's only really han and giselle that get into that incredibly intense just the two of them moving as one yeah. at all times
0: speaking of han um we had not when we did the last couple that uh, seen los bandeleros uh, which is an extra, and it's a short film on uh, the fourth movie. Uh, but if you folks have got the access to that, then uh, watch it. If like if it's your first time, you'll get to see a little bit more Hunt. You'll get to see a little bit more uh, Dom and Letty, and, and and a little bit of the, the 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 I want to say the brothers, but Leo and uh, what's the other one called Santos? Leo and Santos, yeah. And uh, kind of, I hope they'll be back for eight as well, uh, just because they kind of earned their place already. But yeah, it's 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 just a sort of a small scale, low key, little kind of like it doesn't really feel like Fast and the Furious. It feels more like um, a, a low budget film, and then suddenly Dominic Toretta's in there, you know, you know, with all of that screen presence that Vin Diesel brings, sort of lifting it up. And um, speaking of on screen presence, Kurt Russell. <laughs> as, as you, with so much else going on it almost feels like Kurt Russell's an afterthought but he kind of like dominates the uh, the, the screen up against Vin Diesel I've never been like a huge huge Kurt Russell fan I like him but um, it, it was kind of great fun to watch him and it was also kind of refreshing that he didn't just do a Die Hard 2 on us it feels like the whole film was leading up to when they go to the warehouse and he goes I'm sorry, but we led you into a trap. We're totally in cahoots with this guy, but thank you for doing what we needed you to do. Oh, I'm so glad this didn't go Yeah, down. it would have been so... Like, well, for a start, I was predicting the hell out of it, so it would have been horribly predictable and tro- I
5: like the fact it,
0: uh, All right, I just want
5: to briefly mention this. This film does two things that I have seen in, in other films that I thought were stupid and done poorly. Mm-hmm. Does it In this film, does it fantastically. For a start, Awesome Sunglasses, mm-hmm. DOA, you mm-hmm. failed. This pulled it off. Probably because it's Kurt freaking Russell doing it mm-hmm. with his night vision sunglasses. And Alex, you'll like this one. Throwing a moving vehicle at a flying object. Yes. <laughs> also, I will say this. How the hell is The Rock not playing a Terminator?
3: Yes, I thought that. When he got out of that, I was convinced that that was going to be part of the heart wrenching when he went through that bridge side. I thought that's it he's he's done for that's remarkably quick i will miss him for the rest of the film but i thought he was gone and then he walked out i was like oh my god
5: (laughs) and then seeing him with the minigun later
3: yes seriously he's just auditioning for terminator
0: (laughs) i I thought he'd actually wandered out of gi joe it was like hang on a second roadblocks in this movie now i'll take over from this hop from here Hobbs. oh okay it's my brother from another mother (laughs) Uh,
5: Actually, speaking of, you know, moments of uh-oh in the opening, you have a very nice scene between uh, Hobbs and... Ah, her name's gone. Elena. Elena. Yeah. And he gives her oh, the letter of re- re- recommendation and the car's just behind it and both... I just went, I've got a bad feeling. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. had that sudden, uh-oh.
3: That happened <laughs> a few times. I The other one where the, the my stomach dropped was when... Um, Mia said she was pregnant but hadn't told Brian yet
0: yes and I just they had all that shit in movies all the time oh yeah he didn't know
3: I just, I had this horrible feeling that something was going to happen to her or she was going to lose the baby and all I kept thinking was they can't do that and then pull back a happy ending that wouldn't work
0: too yeah. terrible that is yeah. the most terrible thing ever yeah and um Oh, also, the fact that she said, I'm now in a fortress, and you were like, yeah, but a fortress is just to show how much of a badass the baddie is, and he can just come in and take apart a fortress. Fortunately, he didn't.
5: No, I think they actually use it to show how seriously they actually take him.
0: Yeah. There was a little shade of... Uh, you know how Dijaman Hounsou is. Uh, was uh, trying to get the thing, and Kurt Russell was also trying to get the thing. I kind of felt like that episode of um, South Park with Towley, and they're just trying to get their Akama game sphere, and the like the this government military agency versus this science agency are, are all sort of like trying to tell them why why this thing is important. They're just like we just want to go back to our sphere, and uh, you know, really, that the, the main reason they were just trying to do it was just to get the get Deckard off their backs. Um, but you know, this this desperate. Uh, I, they may as well have been bickering over the clean slate. It's just—it's a thing which can be done, Like, fortunately, rather than just being a thing, it actually sort of played into the, uh, the gadget narrative of the film and they actually used it, which was good.
3: Well, I think the only thing that didn't really work with that was like, so basically what you're saying is you need this super surveillance device to find the man who's walking down the street towards you holding a very large gun
5: yeah that was getting a little bit annoying with Jason Statham and I love Jason Statham I really yeah, do but he's walking it's, through a hospital how come you can't find him it's more the fact <laughs> he always everyone. seemed to be in the right place yes yeah. it's like especially with the the excellent um bus stuff that was going off and then all of a sudden this car comes in and it's like Yo, if that's Statham and it's Statham
0: it's like how he seemed like Batman, the way Batman is declared yes. by shitty fans, going, "Oh, he's always got a plan, Batman, for everything. You can't beat Batman." And it's like it's almost it's like playing any playground game with that kid who just, you know, "No, you didn't pierce my bulletproof armor, like armor-resistant armor, because I've got like special magic armor over that, and like you know, I win no matter what." And it's like, yeah, you're no fun to fight. Like basically compare him to say say I don't know Hobbs in five uh, in terms of like great antagonists it, it it pales in comparison. There's also just so much other stuff at stake in that film that the stalking menace of a humourless Jason Statham, which by the way is a bad idea. If they'd made him actually humorous, then it'd have been a great villain. Yes. Look, when they said
5: they were getting Jason Statham in, what they should have done, and I said this last transporter, sport. yeah. because that's a fun Frank is a fun character.
3: And it expands your universe without you even having to really yeah. try.
0: Well, but in all seriousness, I, I kind of wish they'd kept the stath for the next film and basically brought him in um, when they're, they're they're seeking to uh, to to regroup, as it were. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. And basically, had I mean, anyone could have been the stalking presence. I mean, uh, Jamon had more than
5: him. Hanzo? Yeah,
3: That would more have been good. Is well. uh, He's in it for like ten minutes.
5: <laughs> the first time I saw him on screen, the first thing that popped in my, heart, my head was, "I'm
0: Starlord." Who
5: who <laughs> I just wanted him to say
3: that
0: one time. Imagine just the same character, but this time it's Benedict Cumberbatch. I mean, obviously uh Dominic would snap him into like a twiggler if they actually came to a fist fight. It wouldn't be believable. But, <laughs> well, I saw uh,
3: Statham's we... character. Yeah.
5: Actually, another thing I was just thinking. Um you know how we keep comparing this to the Marvel thing? Another thing it has in common with Marvel, they damn not do so well on the bad guys.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, they do very, very well on good guys, so it kind of makes up for it, just about. But uh, They could... I would say they could do a really great bad guy in the next one, but they'll probably just have a combination of the two Shaw brothers. Mm. Maybe Owen will have, like, an Iron Man suit to keep him moving. I don't know. Anyway. um, So, actually, when Hobbs was down, that really took me aback, and and I, I missed Hobbs throughout most of this movie. It felt like, you know, he's on the poster right there, and then he is taken out. And that was scary.
5: That uh, was well, especially because they, but they, he's taken out, but he's, hmm, they still had up put it. He's taken out in a Hobbes wave because he he protects someone as he's yeah, being
0: killed. Yeah. He doesn't just go down like a bitch.
5: Oh, seriously, guys! I know we're used to um, uh, physics not working this sort of way the real world does, but seriously, that fall
0: I can't that get by an explosion out of a window. To plummet down onto a car without, like uh, at least the kind of broken limbs that you can't just tear your cast off after a week or so. Mm.
3: I think that this is a slightly tweaked universe where the cars are mostly made out of tin foil.
0: Well, no, no, but it's got to be padded enough to to support his immense weight. True. But, I mean, they stretch the laws of physics and they have done before. I mean, basically, Dominic's been in so many crashes, he should be dead by now.
5: Oh, yeah. Oh, come on. After the, the, the mid-air catch in six, I think you yeah. can let a lot go, to be fair. Yeah. It's, it's it's just... It, it's,
3: it's, yeah. I do think, though, that is a cracking line of Lettys. How did you know the car was going to be there to break your fall? A car doesn't break your fall. <laughs> a car you. is the thing you break on when you fall. <laughs>
0: Unless, <laughs> uh, unless you're Dominic Toretto I feel in kind of like car. that They need to steer away from Danny Madigan And his golden ticket Because if they ever enter the real world And Vin Diesel ever tries to do And Dominic ever tries to do anything he does In The Fast and Furious He's going to come a cropper very quickly
5: That film is so underrated
0: It is totally it, it, that, There's a film that needs a remake Different name, completely different uh, like, you know, Format to it But the concept needs to be there And the actual, the the, the satirical thrust, definitely. For those who don't realise, we're talking about Last Action Hero. Last Action Hero! Um... Yeah, speaking of the chicken bit kind of reminded me of Last Station Hero. They play chicken, both of them survive, walk out of the car and go, ooh, that bruised me a bit. If it was real life, at least one of them Uh, would be dead.
5: Yeah, that would be Dom for the record. He's in a muscle car. Those do not have airbags. All right, yes, he says he's got the racing harness and the reinforced frame. The other guy's in a a, a very modern car that's going to have impact zones and airbags and all sorts.
0: Is it like a DB8 or uh, like a super-duper Aston Martin... The stretching of this is one of the few times I was not paying
5: that much attention to the cars.
0: Yeah, I suppose so. No.
4: Get, 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 get low when the whistle go.
0: Um, Okay, so, yeah, the mountain shoot jump. (laughs) I love that. I'm I'm sorry. It's hard to do just with superlatives here, but
5: yeah. That that had blended the mix quite nicely of sort of the action and the humour. It it definitely brought the humour to the fore with... (laughs) <laughs> With touch, he's just being absolutely a chicken shit.
0: If Roman had been in Fast and Furious 4, that film would have been way better. He is actually a kind of a, kind of a crucial element. And actually, Tedge as well. The two of them together, the Merry and Pippin, slash Arthur and sick. 3PO. You know
5: what? You know what we're talking about, spin off films? Buddy comedy for got... those two. Yeah. I would, I would watch totally
0: watch that.
3: Apart from anything else, they're a very important element of what Brian does without Dom. Yeah. Because Roman is somebody that he's known for years. Ted is somebody that he obviously hooks up with without Dom's assistance. Um, so the proof
0: that Brian exists in a world without Dom.
3: Exactly. Yeah.
0: If anything, we need to see a film where we're going to see it anyway, where Dom exists in a world without Brian. Um, the bus heist. I mean, most of the stunts in this are practical and are real and were done by an incredibly dedicated stunt team and, like, the guy jumping off the bus to, like, uh, Ryan jumping off the bus to grab hold of Letty's fender. Real. Terrifying. One chance. Screw it up. Dead men. So, just infinite respect for this stunt team. Like, you know, world class. It doesn't get much better.
5: There's a much better, better, better stunt... Involving a bus this time than
0: five, five, yeah, where they're like, "I'm just going to turn this over and over and hope that no one dies." It's actually, again, you know how we were saying we're worried that
5: you know James Bond perhaps just coming from the horror thing might struggle. Mm. This was a really well-paced action scene with good. It had good beats to relieve the tension, like the comedy stuff. Because I'm sorry, I absolutely pissed myself when Ted started singing, "You Can't Touch This."
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was just so funny. Actually, speaking of the stunt team, it, it kind of feels like James went not so much that he wasn't as important, but because the rest of the production, the producer, the writer, the stunt team, the existing actors, were all so now such a well-oiled machine of, you know, we've done this a couple of times. We know what to do. We did wrong. We know what really went right. It's almost like a lot of that pressure that a director would feel was taken off James and he was just be able to sort of focus on what a director should do in the immediate, you know? Yeah
3: is it known why Justin Lin didn't want to come back
5: uh he felt he didn't have time enough time to prepare for the film
0: oh, okay yeah they Cause... were, were fast tracking it for release in summer of last year had he known it wasn't going to come out until later this year he'd have stuck around of course had he known how significant it was going to be he would also have stuck around of course had anyone known how significant it was going to be they'd have warned Paul to stay the fuck away from fast cars yeah <sighs>
5: My, I have one little quibble with this film, mm-hmm. and it's two parts that I thought would be bigger because mm-hmm. they've got. Well, okay, one of them I actually kind of glad it was short sure, because she wasn't that good. Oh, Ronda Rousey.
0: Yes, really.
5: You go from Ronda Rousey this time round, who is? Uh, I'm going to say it, in the, and I, I, I mean this with all due respect, because she is the most dangerous woman on the planet. Maybe so. Yeah. Um, she's she's
0: no Ronda Rousey. In the acting department. She, she's no, uh, hang on, do you mean she's no Ronda Rousey or do you mean she's?
5: I mean it in the acting way, in, I, I, not the fighting way, because there was something, she felt very flat and wooden.
0: And Well, she's I, a bodyguard. I'll yeah, say, yeah, whereas
5: Ronda in the previous film. Riley. Was, sorry, Riley in the last film.
0: I figured you, were, uh, you meant, uh, I Gina, meant Gina, Gina Crow. Yeah.
5: Sorry, Gina in the last film, uh, there was more about her.
0: Well, yeah, I wasn't watching Wonder Russian going. See now, this woman could be Wonder Woman as well. I was, I was just thinking she could be um, like a woman that Wonder Woman fights.
5: Yeah, <laughs> which is true because like she actually cropped up at WrestleMania, which was kind of fun yeah. to watch. But again, next to the Rock and stuff, it's like, yeah, you're a great fighter. Not so much in the acting. And the other one was um, Tony Jar. I oh, yeah, yeah. He, did, he, he was there, but you forgot about him after the bus, and then he sort of crops up for the final fight with Brian and gone again. It's like, oh, well, that's a
0: shame. It, all, it almost felt like uh, he was originally supposed to die in that bus crash, and then they brought him back for, so that Brian would have something to do slightly later on. But, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I love Tony Jarre. It is an absolute crime he has not been in more films in the past ten years when he was at his fighting peak if you've seen uh warrior king uh, or the protector in america and uh Ong Bak, back he is astonishing and it's been years since those films were out and he's hardly done anything and i i think he just did a lot of Ong back prequels yeah to a period degree. face and not, none of which i liked but um but yeah this is a guy uh, an astonishing stuntman and thank god he got to do a little bit of uh, of that you know twisty body parkour stuff uh you know when when called upon but uh, it, it was crowbarred into the film, and obviously so. But it was just so wonderful to see him do it. But but yeah, you're absolutely right. Both of these characters just turned up just for for the main characters to have someone to fight. They weren't um, they weren't in, in the same way placed as uh, uh, Kur- Kurano in, in six.
5: And also the the fight between Ronda and Le- uh, yeah, let me try. Yeah, between Kira. and... And Letty is nowhere. It's not even a patch on Riley and Letty
0: in yeah. the insects. <laughs>
5: oh, that was still a brutal fight. Uh, it's. I still think that fight in six
0: is a lot better. Yeah, the one in That's- six is fantastic. I, I mean, I, I, I think I just love it for just that one frame where Letty pulls her handcuffs out and then just sort of like uses them as knuckle dusters and does that sort of like punchy, punch, like like squares her uh, uh, fists up. It's. It kind of reminds you of a uh, uh, girl fight, which I haven't seen and really want to now. Also, speaking of which, where did Letty learn to fight? We know where Michelle Rodriguez learned to fight, but somewhere like Letty was, you know, raised on the streets of LA and she fights like she was in special forces.
3: I strongly suspect that Letty beat the crap out of every bloke that ever told her she shouldn't go anywhere near a car.
5: Maybe so. That I would quite happily believe. That That, that seems very Letty-ish, if that makes but sense.
0: She seems to have enough poise to not actually unleash that unless she's actively attacked. So, I mean, you know, the, the, the real world answer would simply be that she went to a lot of martial arts clubs and, and uh, learned that stuff over a period of years and never forgot it. And it's also- instinctual.
5: I mean, there's like you said, there's a couple of ways. You, you know, she grew up on the mean, on the streets of LA, so she had to be tough. You could also buy that she was an
0: army brat or something as well, mm. or maybe that she didn't know how to fight uh, before she was killed, and then uh, uh, Owen said, "Right, my blank slate. I'm going to train and train and train you until you're a killing machine." Yeah,
3: she might actually have got some basic training when um, she signed up to a uh, plant for Brian.
0: I, I would say more likely Owen Shaw because the, uh, the 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 fighting she's doing. I mean, it's but basically the fighting she she's doing against Rousey here and Riley and the uh, the sorry and Carano in in six. It, it's the kind of stuff that it, it they're not going to teach you just for infiltrating a gang. Mm. So I mean, you know it's, it's just a small thing, but uh, it it was great to see her really just. Having in that moment but also the fact that it was punctuated throughout the film as this letty has a journey in this film she's got stuff to do she's not just an extension of dom and she's not just a girlfriend for him to feel things for or in this case a wife she had she had shit going on
5: i think that's important that they did actually care i like the fact you know in between the film she didn't get a memory back that is still a huge part of what's going on mm. between them um uh, again like, like we talked before when she does get her memory back it is earned and I do really really like the the line that um, Vindy's uh, Dominic utters and I was trying to look it up I can't find it but it's something along the lines of oh here it is Um, Leslie goes why didn't you tell me we were married he goes you can't tell someone that they love you
0: it's wonderful I love the fact that we keep mixing up the character names with the actor names. It's it's uh, usually I consider that to be a flaw on our part, but it feels like that, that we're so kind of invested in a, a cocktail of both the characters and the actors when we're watching them that uh, and, and then they put so much of themselves into the characters that it feels oddly like they're they're interchangeable, which is it, it's not really a disservice to them, but it, it just I suppose it shows how engaged we've become. And how much we feel and love the characters. Yeah. Um. Oh, by the way, uh, favorite cars, anyone? I know you said you weren't paying all that much attention, but I know which one Sharon's was. What was Sharon's? The Autobot. Yeah. You know the one we mean, folks.
3: The $3.5 million piece of scrap <laughs> that fetches upon the uh, Abu Dhabi beach.
5: Oh, and just speaking of stunts, that... Again, over the top. It's so enjoyable watching them jump a car from building
0: to building. Oh, yeah.
3: Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs>
0: the only thing that was uh, possibly could have made that better is if uh, Brian did that with Roman in the passenger seat, to just have him screaming the whole way through. No, no, no. Roman was being far too embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he was uh, doing his thing in his, his particular style. They even paid for the use of happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Which is such a rarity in films, we've got to put their hands together for that one. I was was trying to think. Uh,
5: Given the fact I've also been playing the Horizon 2 Presents. Me too, great fun. And I was beating certain people's times. Hello, Paul. Um, Uh, Neil, you
0: beat me on everything. (laughs) Cheers, thanks for that.
5: That's (laughs) because I, I happen to be in probably uh, i'm actually playing for horizon 2 now because i went and bought it because of that i'm just tooling As around reliable. in my i'm tooling around in my 69 charger because nice. yeah
0: i love that car i i've never really liked ghost um riding sorry uh before but uh i was it was just like race your rival and it was plex it was like okay and then i i found myself within seconds racing through the mountains with plex. Paul Shotton, my good friend of, of many, many years, um, whilst I was playing That's How We Roll on the uh, sound system. And it was just like this, like w- w- I was racing him, but I didn't even mind if he beat me. And he did beat me by like a second. At that, uh, that time he beat me, but uh, it was, I-, I beat him once at least. Then but- <laughs> somebody turned up in a Dodge Charger <sighs> and trounced a lot of us. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but, um, I'm a git. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, you yeah, know, really, You've got to, got to commend them on that. You know, considering that we were talking last September and released a couple of weeks ago uh, when we reviewed Six. Of why do not they make a Fast and Furious game? I still want them to do one properly. Um, and and yeah, you know, by now they've got enough fodder for to, to take us through the whole series. You see, if they did a
5: game, I'd like it to be some weird mix-up between a need for speed and almost a Mass Effect where you could actually have characters and, and story yeah. going off and dialogue. But there's no games really in the racing genre seem to try that. They've done stories, uh, Need for Speed's prime example. Uh, You know, (laughs) Need for Speed's success probably owes a lot to the success of Fast and Furious in some regards. Uh, But uh, nothing really lets you have a character and grow a character. Uh, The only thing I can think that's sort of connected is uh, if you play Need for Speed from Underground up to Carbon, Mm. that is actually the same character
0: course. Well, technically uh, you'd need for all the amounts of heists and road-level mayhem that gets caused, it would need to be a GTA sandbox-style game. Hmm. But that restricts you on the amount of different places you can go to and the amount of different things you can really do uh, whilst at the same time uh, pushing forwards with a strong narrative. Because if you let people wander around, and especially if you let people commit terrible crimes, there's going to be a narrative dissonance. But yeah, I, as it stands at the moment, the, the, the Forza Adam was a, a wonderful, albeit leisurely, way of uh, uh, bringing us into the series uh, and, and the glossy, wonderful cars.
5: And it's probably better than
0: the two games that they
5: actually made. Yeah, yeah.
0: Wow, who thought
5: that uh, Fast and Furious would bring us to tears?
0: Uh, it, it did for Sharon, if you remember. Last time we, we, we mm. saw six um, after Paul died, so already it was starting to work on us. And... Uh, that line, uh, you don't know what you've got so someone sort of takes it away. Obviously, resonated with us, but um, I don't want to get to a point where I feel defensive about this um, this series. There's been quite a bit of sneering about it on on Twitter. Of, you know, I guess I'll watch these films again, give them another chance. I don't know why everyone keeps saying they're so good. It tends to be from people who like us broke off back when the series wasn't as good as it ended up becoming. Um, I'd like to think that if people give it the time, then they'd, they'd see what we've, you know, eventually uncovered. And I've never been so pleasantly surprised to go from, eh, kind of liked it to to this. Because, I mean, like, it's kind of like uh, what happened with us on the Planet of the Apes, but just on far, far deeper a curve. What would you say, Sharon?
3: Yeah, yeah, no, I'd, I'd say that's fair. It's I rare mean, we what... go into
0: these things blind just for review, isn't it?
3: Yeah, one thing – well, I mean, we have Neil to thank for that. It it wasn't exactly – he kind of blindfolded us and pushed us into it, (laughs) which worked, oddly. Uh, So thank you, Neil. But um, I think one thing I will not do is – like you say, in terms of of getting defensive about it, try to strong arm people into seeing it past two or three, or, um, you know, seeing in it what I get out of it, or even, you know, trying to see something beyond what they want to take as the superficial, because you know what, if they don't get it, that's not my loss. That's theirs.
2: Yeah.
3: Or, you know, maybe that's something that they don't need. Maybe they get that elsewhere, in which case I'm happy for them. But it's not up to me to try and um, to push the amazing sense of connection that I get out of this series that I never in a million years dreamed I would have. And that's something that I get to treasure. And for that, I am grateful.
5: Not bad saying, because this was payback for the Transformers films. (laughs) I
0: think you win. We need to give you a gift of similar kind of, oh, I quite like these, actually. What's a film series you've never seen, Neil? (laughs) That's an odd one, because I have seen so much. Well, I mean, we've recommended uh, Community to you. Did, you. did you see that Justin Lin <laughs> episode yet? No. Oh, there you go. There's one to start with. Community, <laughs> season one, episode 24, Modern Warfare. Go for
5: it. I, I do think it is quite odd because I, I love film. I love good film. I love bad film. I love damn right stupid film. Hmm. But I don't think I feel as connected to a film series as I do to these films. You know, the, a good example would be the love that James Batchelor and Zanteri have for Bond. Well, that's the love I have for this franchise.
0: Yeah, that would make sense.
5: You know, I, I, I'm I not going to get defensive about it. You know, you either like it or you don't. If you don't like it, fair enough. I, I get a lot out of it. I get enjoyment out of it. I've had... it's It's a film series that's very personal to me from the fact that it's... <sighs> Growing up with it and and sharing this love of this film franchise with you know three of my closest friends to the point where you know we went to see this one together and cried together. You know, it's it, sometimes it's nice to be reminded that I think we get blinded sometimes by the fact that the film industry is just that it's an industry, it's bad money But sometimes these films can touch you in a way that's deeply personal and deeply moving, and it's refreshing sometimes and it's needed sometimes. It breaks the cycle of cynicism, I think. So I should have mentioned. Are we keeping count of how many times that charger gets messed up?
0: Oh God, it's supposed to be the same one as well. Isn't it?
5: <laughs> There's no way that's the same one.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think maybe just the crankshaft is still the original. Save that. Uh, I still say, how the rock, have the how the rock, not the, 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 the Terminator." I, it, like, I don't think anyone has like cracked their own uh, arm cast off before like that. But. That, that, uh, if anyone can do it it's the well. Oh,
5: oh. and the trouble is it's the rock it's a cheer moment because you love yeah. it oh I forgot to mention uh, my daddy said he kicked your ass oh I love that bit your daddy's on very strong pain meds right now I yeah. it <laughs> uh, was a really good he actually got a cheer from quite a few people uh, the sure. fight between the rock and Statham in, mm-hmm.
0: in, in the DSS building mm-hmm. where the rock rock bottoms him got a cheer nice yeah of course Actually, the, the bit at the end when uh, Dom has uh, uh, Deckard at shotgun point and then decides, nah, we're going to settle this mano a mano with giant spanners, that was like the only moment I thought, Dom, what are you fucking doing? If he kills you, he'll go and kill everyone else you care about because he's just that kind of son of a bitch. But also a good callback to the first film. Yeah. Using the wrenches
5: because it was he beat the guy with the wrench, didn't he?
0: Yes, only these these are wrenches of justice.
5: <laughs> wrenches of no, <laughs> just giant size. It's like,
0: yeah. what? I think six
5: is better. I think this one's hanging around sort of the levels of five with this one. Hmm. I think, and three is definitely still a real good standout, but what for in, different
0: reasons. Well, in terms of what actually, the, the core of the film, but I can't separate this one from what actually goes on, the, the meta hmm. story of it. So for me, it actually goes seven, six, five, three, four, one, two. Hmm. But I mean, it, there's a very thin line between one and two because I'm starting to really like the uh, the first meeting between Roman and uh, uh, Brian as well.
5: Seriously, I want a Tej Roman buddy comedy. Yeah.
0: That would be hilarious.
5: Well, I think it'd be hilarious, or it might get a little too grating.
0: Uh, Lyra also good as gold throughout this whole thing. She, I mean, she was a bit fidgety, but she she knew what was going on, what the stakes were. She knew this was Paul Walker's last film. She was very sad about it. Um, she stayed still. We waited all the way through to the end of the credits just in case. And I, I like the fact that there wasn't a little. I
5: was going to say, was there anything? The cause we we couldn't. We, we 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 went. There was bigger bigger things at stake. Yeah, I uh, it's probably a nice touch again not to do the little post yeah. credit not just. Just I I think uh, like I said, this is one of the few times I've seen, especially where something like this has happened, just leave off on a such a perfect note. I don't even think that. <laughs> the, one of my other favorite films of all time is The Crow. Yeah, I I love that film beyond belief, and even that just because of the way that ends, it can't leave it on such a a happy note. So it was kind of nice to see this one end, end such on a, a thoughtful and positive and happy note. Yeah, so oh, that was nice to see. And yeah, absolutely bawling my eyes out in this. And actually it was, I should mention it on the podcast. There was a scene earlier on that got me going, which was the phone call between Mia and Brian just before the showdown. Because that was, that was another one where, because you know, there's so much going on in your head that you've got the story of the film, you know what happens. And that just conversation was just, mm. oh, that one got me going.
0: Yeah, that's uh, I get, that was where Jordan and Bruce really uh, just excelled again. Mm. And again, I, I think we kind of breezed past it, but the moment where you, f- you find out about that Letty still being married to Dominic and that being something, a secret that he'd kept and just that being one of the things that was going through his head when he's doing his long stares, um, mm. it, it, just, it felt noble for him to have kept that to himself and suffered in silence over that. But at the same time, it, it it lends even more scope to four when he leaves her. Hmm. The idea that effectively he was always leaving her so that she wouldn't be uh, come under the hammer in the same way as he would. I I, I told uh, Lyra who who loves um, the the We Own It song what the only God can judge me line actually means, and uh, isn't it? It's one of the the Rock's tattoos, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but specifically it applies to Dom in that when he gives himself up at the end of 4 and mankind's judgment on him is to just lock him up and throw away the key and that he's worthless and, you know, better off inside prison forever for the rest of his life without ever being a, given a chance to make amends, it makes perfect sense that Dominic would just decide, right, well, you know, I did. I manned up at that point and uh, literally the only... Person that I'm going to be able to trust to judge me now is God, so I'm not going to be held to account by society anymore. You know, this could be interpreted as Dominic finally confronting the superego of the justice system that's hung over his head his entire adult life, finding it insufficient as a parent, as it is simply too harsh and dismissive, throwing him under the bus as an example to other failing children his journey away from the literal overturned bus he's broken out of at the beginning of five signifies his stepping up to assert his own moral code as a father figure and his road to gathering a new and bigger family whilst holding on to as much of the old as he can begins there and in doing this he's able to overcome his fear this
2: is what 100 million buys it wasn't that hard to find you, Toretto.
0: Wasn't hiding. Mm. And that's important because obviously he's made so many enemies over the years. He could spend the rest of his life terrified. But it feels like um, he has chosen to live instead. Mm-hmm.
5: <sighs> like I said, this the the next one is going to be the hard one for them. Yeah, yeah. Whether they can maintain sort of everything and keep it balanced, or whether we'll be doing, you know, Furious Eight or whatever they choose to call it, and go, you know what, probably should have left it at seven.
0: Well, it's going to be hard to get this kind of emotional level ever again, unless it turns out to be Vin Diesel's last one. I think, Jesus Christ, I don't even want to think about that. But you could also imagine him doing these films till the day he dies yeah' Because it's so much of him is in there, yeah it's yeah i it's hard to reconcile that
5: it is, i don't think there's I don't think there's another franchise that sort of has this sort of heart and soul to it
0: not with this level of... I mean, there's plenty of franchises with heart and soul. Soul, but but, not this type. But certainly not in the action movie type. I mean, ultimately, the the Marvel cinematic universe definitely has a lot of heart and soul to it, and and it obviously also has a lot of actors who are very much invested in what they're doing, but it's also had a lot of actors sort of kind of like complaining in interviews of, you know, I I don't want to play Captain Whatever for the rest of my life. You know, I want to go and do other films. But it almost seems like everyone in the Fast and Furious films would not be doing anything else by choice?
5: Yeah, they, they they do it because they want to be there. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose the only comparable uh, would be Lord of the Rings. Sort of, uh, I can't speak to the Hobbit, but you know when you watch the extras, especially when it's the Hobbits, you, that that bond is there.
0: Yeah, obviously. Yeah, that that that's a model for a wonderful uh, production and cast, but they're so. Restrained by the text, by the Tolkien estate, by the ownership and the constraints of that, the fast and the furious operates on a f- level of freedom that most films don 't because they are not a, like for a start it 's a very unusual scenario for a film series to actually get better <laughs> with every film it 's the uh, it 's supposed to be the other way round it 's supposed to hit the law of diminishing returns by eighty standards. These should be shit by now. Um, But it's like the Harry Potter franchise. They just kept getting better and better, but they were restricted by the fiction. But there is no ceiling on this one. They could do whatever they want, and people would pay to go see it, as long as there's fast cars and the people they love. Mm.
5: I think that's why they managed to get better, because they aren't restricted. Also, someone pointed this out to me, and it made me laugh. Kurt Russell's character in this, Mm -hmm. stick an eye patch
0: on him, He's Nick Fury. Fury. <laughs> <laughs> oh, white yes. right, boy, Nick Fury. Yes. <laughs> nice. Well, speaking of ethnicity, we've mentioned this before, but the the ethnicity and the mix and the 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 just the 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 variety in the cast of this is so refreshing that you've got so many different, like, so many different people catered for. And that they're not going. Here's your token black person. Here's your token woman. There's just people from so many different backgrounds that it doesn't feel like it's white dominated. That's all it really needs to be, and that is so rare, especially for action movies. I think it's because they don't think about it. If that
5: makes sense, they just go. Yeah, it'd be cool to have this movie. Can we get Tony Jaa? Yeah. Hey, yeah. how about how about Ronda Rousey? Yeah, let's get that. Yeah, we we need sort of a big star for this small role. What about well? Apparently, they went for Denzel Washington. So kind of glad they didn't get him. And then they went, oh, "What about that guy from Escape from New York? Is he free?"
0: Oh, yeah. you know he'd be a great fit for for eight. I don't know if they can even fit him in, but Ron Perlman. Oh, I would lose
5: my shit if they <laughs> <got Ron Perlman laughs> in this film because I love Ron Perlman. Me too. He's, well. He he definitely I think has got that. He'd have the sense of humor and the wherewithal to to fit in fine. Yeah,
0: I, I was gonna say. Um, uh, you know, moot my idea for a, a Transformers: Fast and Furious crossover. The idea being just reboot the whole series, toss the old the old continuity out the window, and like have the human team led by Dominic, and this be the thing that they do afterwards. But I actually think, you know, enough respect to Transformers fans out there, but the Transformers franchise does not deserve this. <laughs>
5: Told you, it should have been crossed over with the Transporter. Transporter. I think
0: I would the Transporter I, franchise doesn't deserve this, but uh, but I it just would think they nice character- have like kind of a little crossover bit, yeah.
5: I just think the character of Frank would be an interesting uh juxtaposition of Dom and everything. Yeah. I think that would have been very interesting. Because when you think, about oh crossover, crossover you actually say what could cross over this, there's not really a lot that could cross over and make sense.
0: Yeah. That that has uh, taken place in the same world, and for some reason didn't turn up on the news at the same time. Mm. It would have to be something low key or small scale, but big enough in terms of character for them to uh, for them to coexist. But even then, it almost strikes of desperation at that point. Like you're not that your your series isn't strong enough to carry on without crossing over with something else. Uh, if anything, The Fast and the Furious is what you bring in to make your ailing franchise better. Yeah. And they, Transformers isn't ailing at all. We're giving them more and more money every time, and even <laughs> if they're making shittier films. So, um, yeah, in, in terms of box office, I actually, you know, we're playing with the idea of the crossing over, but really just working on the core of what they've done, carry on doing what they're doing, and focusing on what they're focusing on, and and just maybe have different characters brought to the foreground given the spotlight mm. for a change you
5: know yeah, yeah that would like I said you know you could actually quite happily see a Tej Roman comedy you could quite happily see a Hobbes movie oh god yes that's because yeah. generally even if the film stinks The Rock is usually one of the most watchable people in any film
0: yeah absolutely one way- But i I don't really know what to say about the, the the Streets of L.A. showdown. There was a lot of feeling throughout the film of like you know let's return to our roots and let's go back to race wars and to go back to L.A. and go back to the house and seeing the house destroyed, brutally and horribly. I was crestfallen. I don't know if that was originally part of the um, uh, 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 the original draft. But it feels oddly appropriate to have the, the the family home destroyed in in a way that shows there is no foxhole for you to run back to. They can get you anywhere, and it's such a, a violation. Especially since that was so hard won at the end of six. Yeah
3: think it's it's coupled with something else actually which uh, again is is to do with letty and the the agony that she goes through to get even the good memories back yeah. um and again there's kind of an underlying narrative element to that i think that when you've lost somebody who is so important to you even the good memories are always going to have that slight edge of Um, grief to them because you've lost that person. And somebody who... There are certain types of relationship that you can have where the person or the people involved in that relationship are more than just family they are home and if you lose them then you you don't have that home to go back to anymore and i think by by taking the house out and by doing it early on i think they were kind of it may have been intentional, it may not have been intentional, but they were kind of bringing that up front. They were saying, it, it can never go back to that again for us now.
0: You have to make a new home.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And oh. I think it's that, the fact that the last you see of um, Brian is not in the domestic setting he's not back home and settled you see him on the beach with Mia and Jack and then you see him in the car and it's I mean I said to you at the time has ever a simple fork in the road seemed more poignant and it seemed quite an intriguing way of looking at death for me Sorry, give me a minute. That it's not so much about leaving somebody behind or being left behind, but just they go one way and you go another way. Sorry. I apologise. And as you said, that um, that in that final shot, um, the uh, the the technological techniques that they used to recreate Paul Walker were not quite there. There was just an edge of of uncanniness to it, slightly but ethereal. I, exactly it. In that context, it worked because he's not there and the audience knows he's not there. And to try to convince them 100% that he was there would be a lie and they know that. So it's almost like they, they wanted you to see that that wasn't quite real.
0: Also, it was a completely white car. Hmm. Is Never driven in one of them before, as, as far as I can tell, unless...
5: No, I don't think he has.
0: They don't usually go for direct symbolism with the cars, aside from the... Um, uh, that uh, that red one, I can't remember the name of it, that uh, was uh, in 6, that's too dangerous to race, which is Dom's and, of course, his Charger. Um, but, yeah, obviously... he. Drives off seemingly unexpectedly off on that fork. Um, he exits stage left. How do I put this? Again, this has been one of the most intimidating podcasts for me to have to attempt. Because how the f... I am surprised at how clumsy words feel. For someone I don't know but again, like I, I said it's it's not just Paul in this it's it's feeling how uh, everyone else around him reacted. The idea that death is something that happens to all of us that it affects it's it's the ripples in a mill pond it's not just um, a hole punched through a piece of paper, and everybody else stares at the hole and goes, oh, uh, lucky that wasn't me it's um It's the ripples that spread out. From that person and and those ripples occur in life as well as death and for different reasons he did set up his own charity
3: uh, reach out worldwide
0: yeah row it it deserves uh, looking up and his uh, brother has stepped up to uh, continue managing it and um, I and I would imagine most of us would like to be this and this is just me repeating myself would like to be this fondly remembered and given this level of fond farewell
6: Hi guys, (laughs) you know, watching that video is just like really gnarly for me, Um, but I'll tell you something about Paul, he's the kind of guy that could be in the middle of a press tour, look you in the eye and say, what the fuck are we doing with all this power? It's meaningless, I hate this shit. And I remember looking at him and telling him how ungrateful of an asshole he was (laughs) for saying such a thing because the power that we are given is money, resources, and a voice. And you can turn that around and you can do whatever your heart truly calls and says that you should be doing. And I remember him looking back at me, and this is before he started row, and giving me a big hug. And that's who Paul is. Paul is that guy who's like, he, he just loves, and he can't understand why people are so mean and so cold, and sometimes don't care because his heart's so open and full of wanting to give that he couldn't comprehend how any other human being couldn't feel the same way he did. And I just love him so much. And Cody, God bless you for having the courage to take what he started and carrying that torch of Roe. I got your back forever.
1: Um, we are, we are amongst a world where it seems like dysfunction and negativity seems to be way more popular than positivity. And God revealed something to me a couple of months ago that it is our season right now. It is our season. For all of you beautiful people that wake up every single day with phone calls, emails, physically getting on a plane, going into places that are very uncomfortable, doing things on behalf of mankind, folks that don't even speak English. They are a part of the human race. You're doing any means necessary to make a difference in our world. What you're doing may not seem popular in the grand schemes of things but it is popular amongst God's eyes because you're using that heart to make a difference in our world. So in my mind, the reason why I'm very proud of what Reach Out Worldwide stands for, founded by our brother and Paul Walker, is because it's very expected of us to form a foundation when it hits home. Cousin has cancer, so you start doing cancer research and fundraisers. Leukemia, and various other things. Paul lived in Santa Barbara (laughs) when something happened in the Philippines. He jumps off of his surfboard because we all know he loved the greater outdoors. And he's on a plane to the other side of the world to do any means necessary to make a difference in the trenches. Not showing up to a convenient red carpet where there's cameras there to talk about what he's doing. But physically going to these places, doing any means necessary. To make our world better so i am here proudly to talk about cody walker who was a paramedic in oregon paul walker's dear brother little brother and as soon as we lost our brother he said you know what i'm leaving oregon i'm packing up i'm taking my girl and my dog with me and i'm gonna do whatever it takes to keep this organization afloat because of what his brother stood for. So I'd like to first welcome Caleb, his other brother to the stage, because I need you to be a part of this moment. Caleb Walker, I want to recognize Paul's mother, Mrs. Walker, I love you, we love you. We definitely don't have to worry about, we definitely can't question if they got the same mother and father, they all look alike, I swear to God. Um, Cody Walker stepped in to the fire. Reachoutworldwide.org is the name of the organization. Any means necessary. We need your love, we need your energy, and your support. And I think in this world of positivity, more organizations need to start collaborating, especially if you're doing the same type of things to make our world better. You know, it's kind of crazy, because <laughs> we live in a very competitive world. It's very crazy to think of a positive organization competing with the other. <laughs> <laughs> when everyone could be working together to bring all of their energy and resources to make our world better. So, <laughs> Cody Walker, ladies and gentlemen.
5: The send-off at the end, the voiceover... Uh one of the reasons i think i think it's so touching is without a wink or a nod or any silliness it's actually a fourth wall break yeah absolutely Be- because it's not just the words that don says aren't just the words that don would say to brian they feel like words that vin would say to paul yeah uh, apparently, like off-screen, they were inseparable. They were like brothers. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it, it is sort of a fourth wall break. Um, I actually have the words in front of me, and they are
0: <laughs> hard to a- read.
5: They're hard to read, and they they are actually really loving. I I apologize because I'm not going to do this anywhere near as good, but I I like how it, it's phrased as. I used to say I live my life a quarter mile at a time I think and I think that's why we're brothers because you did too no matter where you are whether it's a quarter mile away or half a, halfway across the world the most important thing in life will always be the people in this room right here right now salute my family you'll always be with me you'll always be my brother and um, yeah
4: Brotherhood come first and the line will never be crossed Established it on our own when that line had to be drawn And that line is what we reach. so remember me when I'm gone How can we not talk about family when family's all that we got Everything I would do, you were standing there by my side And now you gon' be with me for the last ride
2: Don't let the light guide you way. Yeah
5: This series of podcasts has been, uh, and probably will maintain, my favourite set that I've done with you guys. Oh, thank you! Just, just, because I think, because the films are so personal, this one, this series, this series of podcasts on this series of films, as just are my favourite. It's flat out my favourite ones I've done, and it's it's, a, it's been an absolute joy and a pleasure to show you these films and that you have found enjoyment in them.
0: Enjoyment is too small a word. Thank you, Neil.
5: Not a problem. I will see you guys tomorrow. Okay.
3: See you you tomorrow. Bye-bye.